Hi, Jeff here from the University of Kentucky. Ciao, I'm Kristen from the University of Minnesota. Salut, this is Tina from the University of Colorado. And alam, greetings. This is Stuart from the University of Mississippi. Welcome to Pharmacy Fika. A podcast for pharmacy educators by pharmacy educators. Where we discuss teaching and learning, scholarship, and academic life. In Sweden, a fika is a coffee break, but it's much more than that. It's a state of mind and attitude. It's all about slowing down. And finding time for friends and colleagues. While you sip a beverage and enjoy a little something nice to eat. So join us. I'm glad we're doing episode two of the Pharmacy Fika. It's uh, it's terrific to see you all again. And uh, of course, we got to share with each other what we brought to Fika today. So I will say I have my I have a cup of coffee this time, which is still warm. It's my second cup for the day. And the other thing is I have my almond biscuits that I have. I really like these almond butter biscuits that I get and uh, have them for breakfast, but it's nice for a little coffee break snack too. So Jeff, what do you have? Uh, No surprise. I have my water. That's it. Well hydrated and healthy, Jeff. That's why we love you. I followed Jeff's lead and I brought water this time, but no judgment. I know it's 10 o'clock in the morning, but I also have a big piece of chocolate, which I will only have a small piece of, and it's dark chocolate, but that will be my treat for the morning. Some people have their caffeine in other ways. I get little chef caffeine and sugar with my chocolate. Yeah, I'm like you. I have, um, I'm not really a sweet person, but um, that was supposed to be a joke. (laughs) Um, But I have a little Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cup in a small size, so portion control easily managed. Of course, this is entirely for my health, the nut butter as well as the dark chocolate. And I have a delicious coffee in my favorite Moral High Grounds chat 10 looks three this is my favorite podcast from australia these two smart women who talk about books and other things like that and so that was to remind me of um another fantastic podcast well i'm looking forward to the holidays we're about to go on break all of us so when you're listening to this the holidays will be over and we hope all of you had a great holiday but I wanted to just for each of us to share something that we really like to do, a little ritual, something that we look forward to whenever we take this holiday break. And of course, I realize people celebrate different holidays at this time of the year, but there's lots of them that we can celebrate. And what is a, a little ritual that you have or a little something that you look forward to with your family or friends? So I don't know. Tina, you want to go first? Sure. I have so many, um, you know, fond memories and and traditions from around the world. But one of the things I like to do, I'm relatively new in Colorado, is find the where the community tree lighting is going to be not the big grand one but the you know the small neighborhood that's going to have a santa and a little you know sleigh ride that might actually be a pickup truck pulling somebody and they light the tree and sing carols i have no musical ability but i just love that something like the end of the grinch that stole christmas feel of the community coming together and you know especially after a tough year like this and i found that this weekend so uh, i was really excited about that yeah oh awesome so essentially a hallmark movie christmas movie that's what it is exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) extra cheese (laughs) how about for you jeff 
Uh, I think mine right now is on Christmas Eve night before we all go to bed. It's the lights are off. Christmas tree lights are on. The other lights are on. We're listening to Christmas music. Um, just kind of as we can kind of slow down and calm down. Now, I don't know how much longer that will continue. This is, you know, my daughter's senior year in high school. So now she goes off to college and we'll see if, see if that holds after this year. Yeah, for me, it's around the, the tree too. Um, I have a tradition since I was three years old of getting a new um, Christmas cross, a silver Christmas cross that's um, custom designed every year, you know, to have different symbolic elements. And so I have many crosses now, but, but the tree is full of, of crosses and they just glisten in the light and it's beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, you have like 20 crosses now, huh, since age three. <laughs> oh, well, um, for me, so we travel to Idaho uh, because my in-laws are there, my Cena's family's in Idaho. And one of the things we always like to do is, is, is do a puzzle together as like a whole family over the holidays, some really complicated. And it seems like it happens every year for about 15 years now. And it's just, and it, you know, progresses over the course of the week. And it's something that we do as a family. Everyone comes in. Now I'm horrible at puzzles, like, but I almost always find the last piece. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> We've had two jokes today. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really good with the last piece. <laughs> anyway, no, it's kind of a fun activity. So we look forward to that. Um. Yeah, so today's, uh, we're going to be talking, well, Jeff brought this topic to us, and I think we're going to be talking about grades. We saw his paper published in AJPE, so why don't you kick us off about this discussion? Well, uh, first, I will thank uh, Kate Smith for suggesting it to us. Hi, my name is Kate Smith, and I'm pharmacy faculty at the University of Oklahoma. I'd love to hear more from Jeff Kane on his article in AJPE about deficiencies of traditional grading systems. I teach a clinical communications class and I would love to start implementing some of the tips that he had in the article about ungrading and changing how I assess my students on their clinical communication skills. Thanks for any tips. You know, we had a different topic we were going to discuss today, but she called in and suggested that we talk about this paper that, you know, I want to say it's my paper. It was with uh, Adam Persky and Melissa Medina and Frank Romanelli. And, you know, the title of it is Deficiencies of Traditional Grading Systems and Recommendations for the Future. And I'm actually glad we're getting ready to talk about it because, you know, we were constrained by the 5,000 word limit and the 50 references. And we, I mean, honestly, didn't go into the depth and in some cases the breadth that the topic warrants. So I think there's more to discuss than what's already in it. And there is enough already in it to be controversial and, and, and ways to go. And I will say it was fun writing the paper. Um, it was also pretty challenging to keep things narrow and within a scope and you know, also, and maybe Tina will talk a lot about this today, but Tina also read a, a draft version and gave us some good recommendations of some that we could do and others that we just couldn't because we had 5,000 words. And at the end of that article, I was, you know, before submission, I was going through and trying to cut out the extra these and, and adjectives and adverbs and... <laughs> 
everything I could to get it down to 5,000 words. So um, anyway, I think there's a lot to, lot to talk about. I mean, so general impressions, though, do you think the current state of affairs in terms of grades and having an A, B, C, D, F grading system, most schools use that, or A, B, C, F. Or worse, A, you know, A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Do you think it's a broken state of affairs and is harmful to learning? Because I do. <laughs> So I'll give you my opinion and then I'll be quiet, but I, I do as well. I think it is. Um, and the, actually the idea, not the idea, I've, I've thought about grades for a long time and what, and how they influence how I teach and how they influence student behavior. But I read an article in the Chronicle of Higher Education. It was by Becky Supiano. It says, uh, the title of it is saying grades, grades hinder, do grades hinder learning? Mm-hmm. And after reading that, I was like, I was pretty much convinced that they don't do what we want them to do and what we think we do or what we use them for. Or they don't do it well. Um, so, yes, that's I'm, I'm with you, Stuart. I think the way we currently do it is not optimal to teaching and learning. I, I um, you know, and again, I did get a chance to read an advanced, um, have a little advanced peek. And I have been interested in, in this um, as well. I have been at a school that converted from plus minus to ABCF. I've been at a school that converted from ABCF to pass fail or pass no pass, two tiered. Um, and I've also, every campus I've been on, tried to pay attention to what the other health professions were doing on that campus. Um, in some cases, pharmacy may be the outlier and how the health professions are, um, are graded in some places. And that, that's some pressure as well. I was, you know, I actually, when I, when I saw the final paper and I was like, I hope this will be as not controversial, but generate as much discussion as Frank Romanelli's um, entitlement piece from many years ago that like really gets people talking because this is going to take, I mean, it's almost like everybody that you talk to, the experts, the people experiencing it go, nobody likes this system. And yet it's, we just feel like it's too hard to change it and we have to change it together or Everybody says, well, we can't do it because Kentucky's not doing it. We're not going to do it. Minnesota's not doing it. Mississippi <laughs> won't do it because Colorado isn't doing it. And it really has to be a profession-wide discussion, I think, for us to get the needle to move. Good point. Kristen's shaking her head. I am. And I guess I'm, I'm reflecting on the effect on students of the, you know, the system that we've created. I think the system is run amok and and Jeff's paper does a nice job of explaining some of the history and the evolution, and and it's it's maybe not doing what it was designed to do anymore. You know, the the environment has changed and responded to the system, and in some ways, it's become contorted. And I think what bothers me the most is how some of our students are so tied to their grades, and literally, like their self worth is tied up in their grades. And so they're they're running around feeling like my grade is my validation of me, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's just really disturbing that they to me that 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 um, you know so much is riding on what we know has many deficiencies 
and, and flaws. Um, and it's, it's impacting how they see themselves and yes. Ugh, yeah. Jeff, you know, in terms of like, if you look at motivational theory, right on the one end of the spectrum is totally internally driven. You know, you internally value it. It's intrinsic to who you are. It's about your values and so on. And all the other, the way, other end of the spectrum is a motivation. You're not motivated by anything. Well, grades were introduced, you know, obviously as a form of motivation, but also a ranking, right? But from a student's perspective, it's it's either a motivator or if you get a poor grade, one that you don't like, it's a punishment, right? And so you're motivated one way or another, right? And what we know is that if you're strictly motivated by these external motivators, it gets substituted for what we really want, which is learning, right? Learning is what this is all about. But the students don't, unfortunately, most of them, that's not what they're motivated by, the learning. They're motivated by the grade. And that is a horrible substitution, you know, a metric. And once the metric becomes the thing that you're chasing after, it's no longer a valid metric. It's no longer a useful metric anymore. You know, and that's why I think it's so harmful. And one of the things about that that motivation piece is someone could naturally be intrinsically motivated, but this research, some of this research, behavioral economics research, as soon as you attach that external reward to it, the focus immediately switches to that external reward. You may have had intrinsic motivation before, but now the ex- external piece is there and that motivation switches to get to that, which is to me the kind of the fascinating piece and you know part of the reason why grades are causing you know, some of those issues, you know, Kristen, you mentioned uh, kind of the mental health stuff. Uh, last spring, when we were in the middle of COVID, our university made the decision to allow students individually to uh, change their grade type in the middle of the semester to pass fail. We did too. So they could just say, yep, we did similarly. Yeah. And so the after effects of that, that I've heard from just some students in casual, and this is not me asking them is once they did that, like their stress and anxiety went away and they felt like, you know, they were much more comfortable in the class of learning and being challenged because they knew they, they probably weren't going to fail, but they were, that took that concern over if I don't get an A, what is this doing to my, you know, to my GPA? And that released, I mean, that was just like a pressure valve released immediately. And that to me speaks volumes of what it's doing from the from the mental health side. I, I agree. I mean, I think I think the challenge is, and um, we I dealt with this in an earlier grade shift, was I did really want to find out how how potential employers, including postgraduate training programs, were using that information. And just as, you know, just as Jeff's paper quotes, I mean, Everybody says it's a very flawed system, but it's the one we have, and so we use it. And I started thinking about even faculty evaluation systems, you know. People say, oh, this is terrible. We sit here and write down every health fair we precepted. We write down every <laughs> lecture we gave. And mostly, this, you know, we, we're, we're putting something on an interval scale that's probably a nominal scale. Yes, no, you know. <laughs> and um, And yet, when you try to change those systems, people, oh, it's just, we, we have to have something. We have to have a way to say, Stuart is a 4.78 and Kristen is a 4.81. And I definitely can distinguish between those two performances, right? <laughs> 
And so, you know, I, I kind of think it's, it, it's, there's, it's systematic of how we measure things, how we value things, but it's going to take, you know, we can either chip away at it and, and schools are changing. Many, there are more um, two-tiered grading systems today than there were a decade ago, but it's actually, it's almost like we need a bit of, if we're going to do it, we need a bit of revolution, not evolution. <laughs> yeah. But so here's, here's the thing. Students have been so acculturated to this, right? So acculturated to this. When you move to a pass-fail or some other system that's not, you know, this gradation, um, there's two things that I've noticed that happen. Yes, their stress levels go down, but so does their effort, right? Because, oh, it's not attached to a grade. So I'm, I, the amount of effort I'm going to put forward to this is much less, now, that's not a good outcome either. No. I mean, again, it's sort of like the only reason they're motivated is for the grade. And as long as there's a promise of an A, if I put a lot of effort, then that's the only reason I'm going to put in a lot of effort rather than saying to themselves, and I don't know how to cure this or, how, you know, how to address this. I want to put a lot of effort because this has intrinsic meaning to me and value to me. And, you know, we're sitting here doing this podcast and we're putting a lot of effort into this because it has intrinsic value to us. It's not because someone's giving us a grade or we're going to get a lot of likes on Twitter or whatever the metric is. We're just doing it because we love it. Stuart, I thought you were paying us $1,000 each for every episode. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Tina. That's not happening. No honorarium. <laughs> but... Stuart, to your point about the acculturation and the other thing that's happened that I've witnessed, you go to a two-tier system and the students come back and say, well, can't get a, can I get a pass plus? Can't, can't, can't we have a, a recognition of exemplary something? And so they're asking then for more to be put in so they can be recognized, which I think is, is an, a part of this conversation that I don't hear. I don't hear that terminology used. But grades have become not just a way to compete or to understand one's status. They've become a recognition system. And so if we're going to change the way we evaluate and grade, then how do we create different forms of recognition? And how do we, I mean, you know, many programs have portfolios, for example, um, or some programs have portfolios. Those are you know, they're not standardized really in any way. The program defines what would, would go into that. And in some cases, the learner defines. I mean, there's, I think, I'm very much more interested in what somebody can do. And, um, you know, I tend to ask um, learners and postgraduate, people that I may be bringing into a some sort of postgraduate training program or, or, or even employing, to show me some artifacts of, you know, some examples of what they did and how they did it. But I think, you know, that tends to kind of fall into the reflection um, pot, which um, perhaps because of the way the system is stacked is not necessarily valued as much by the students, especially early, novice, you know, learners. Later, you know, they, they do want to be able to show um perhaps advancement in this way, but I, I think it is a wider conversation. You say, like, what evidence do you have of your expertise, knowledge, skill, whatever it is, and how do we, you know, help them develop and value that as well? Yeah, find that thing that they're really great at 
and can we can we value that? I think we're moving to an age where there's a lot of factors converging that are going to mean we need to individualize education more, and it's going to be more of a high touch proposition that that we can't just you know deliver a great grades to a hundred students and be like, well, we're done. <laughs> you know, we're done. Um, we're, we have to find ways to celebrate mm-hmm. the abilities of our students in, in my mind, in more of more diverse opportunities than just grades. And so what are the other recognition systems that can drill down to that specific expertise, that experience, that growth maybe that has happened, um, the talents that that person, the unique talents that that person is bringing, how can we celebrate them as individuals versus trying to just look at the cohort and deliver something, you know, that's fast and and relatively efficient and feels objective and, and feels very accurate, you know, by giving these grades. Well, so the one, as you were saying that, Kristen, the thing that I was thinking is about the arts, like how does the performing arts or the fine arts do this. And and I think there are lessons to learn there because they do use portfolios. You demonstrate your work. Each student is is valued for the unique talents and skills that they bring. And they somehow do it. And students, and, and I don't know that they often use, you know, what they do for their grading systems, but it's really not about the grades. It's about the work that's produced or the performance, right? It's about the actual work. And in our system, it's not like, you know, we don't focus on the actual work. We focus on the darn grades. And that is, it's a horrible substitute. It is just, it's not correlated. As we know, we have students who are A students who we wouldn't trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then we have students who are, quote, average performers who we would love to have as our pharmacist, Right. There's so poor correlation between the work product and the grades. So to me, this is another reason why the system is kind of messed up. Well, I think that's a good point. And that's what I like about the articles, Uh, you know, uh, entrustable professional activities, not a very cumbersome term, by the way. um, EPA is fine. EPA. But entrustment, the idea of I would trust you to do this based on your performance, your demonstration of this is very powerful. And I know it's still, you know, still relatively in its infancy. It hasn't been around that long, especially in pharmacy. And, and Stuart, you've done a lot of the, um, the early leadership for that in pharmacy. But, I, you know, I think it's, it's bringing that instead of sort of saying, you know, it's the grades that are the real thing and the EPAs are kind of this thing on the side, <laughs> Um, it's really saying, okay, and it's going to link back to there may be some students that are able to be, you know, demonstrate the level of entrustment that we're targeting earlier. And we'd have to acknowledge that they may actually be able to speed up a little bit. And there's some people that may take a few more tries to get through. My first degree is in German. I, I love thinking about the arts and the science. But I also know from um, when I was last working at a comprehensive university, I think the challenge, the pushback you get from practitioners is, is yes, history is very important. But if you don't know that the Battle of Hastings was in 1066, nobody will die. Whereas in healthcare, we do have to, you know, there is a safety line that we have to say, you know, you can be as creative and 
innovative and, you know, but you do have to be able to demonstrate this no matter how um, lovely and wonderful, um, you know, that art piece is. And so it's, it's a having that conversation, I think, in the wider profession about what is that line and where, when should you, when do we expect you to be able to achieve it? And it is probably a more expensive system to deliver. And that's, I think that's the, the challenge is, I think if you, many deans, it's like, oh, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't cost any more than this system. <laughs> I'm being cheeky. Yeah, this conversation is sounding very similar to conversations of, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago in terms of digital badges and learning and digital badges because, you know, one, how do, how do students get recognized for their work? Well, they get a badge for exemplary work in X. Um, they need a badge to do every EPA and how do we know that they've met those? You know, another idea, and it goes back to your, your saying, Tina, is that sounds great but enacting that and putting that into play is not going to be simple or easy or probably cost effective welcome to reality yep yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah but it, it, it seems to me though we do have to think creatively because i think most of us feel that the the existing grading system is not serving the students or us or even society very well. And, and frankly, you know, if we really wanted to change all of this, it's got to start well before they get to pharmacy school because they're so acculturated to it that they, many students don't even, don't even go to pass-fail schools because they don't have grades. Right. Well, and that's very different, um, I think, in other professions. Like when I first got to UCSF and I was talking with medicine, nursing, physical therapy, etc. I mean, I had people that said, well, we're competing with Harvard and Stanford and they are pass, no pass. There's no way a student's going to pick our program. And I was like, oh, I'm actually hearing it the other way in pharmacy, you know. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it that way. Um, and that's, that I do, you know, the gamesmanship. I think this is the challenge, you know. Our last big change in pharmacy, big, 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 was entry-level PharmD, right? So let's just give that the year 2000. I know it happened, you know, across several years. But in 2000, we as a profession went through a, relatively big change. And since that time, we've had incremental changes. You know, the introduction of EPAs would, would be one of those and, you know, some change in standards, etc. But I, I think the hard thing for academics is if you say, I'm going to go into this program, I, I, I I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, um, value the way a, a different assessment model, but you're the only course that semester that's like that. I would not have chosen a global pandemic to teach us this lesson, but we had to deal with all those academic safety net changes, right? Prerequisites, people's organic chemistry now might be pass-fail, and admissions committees just had to figure it out. And then in pharmacy schools, some of them that initiated that change, the residency programs are just going to have to figure it out. So it's almost like the bandage is halfway off. Could we 
boldly leap forward and say, let's not go back to normal for that. Meaning get rid of grades. Just go pass fail. Yeah, yeah. This will be some tomatoes that are, that that will happen at the beginning, <laughs> but we'll we'll say this is the right thing for society, for social accountability, for students, and ultimately for the teachers. I, I saw a tweet the other day that said, um, "The worst thing about grading is everything," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's right. This isn't our favorite time of year either." So, Jeff, there are probably lots of other issues in this article that you think are relevant to this conversation. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably so many that we're definitely not going to get to them today. Perhaps we, you know, we come back at a later date, talk about it some more. We can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I think there are many issues, but the crux of it is that the grades have become a substitute for the real thing, which is is learning. And so I guess the next question is, what's a better system? And that's really where Jeff's article comes in. And so, yeah, I think we kind of come back. You know, we've decided that grades aren't working. Now what do we do, right? And so, uh, yeah, I think that would be a great segue into another episode about alternatives to our current grading system. That would be great, Jeff, if we can lead us in, a, in, in another future conversation. So with that, I think we're going to adjourn for today because hey, we've already had our coffee and cake. Hopefully you have too at home. And uh, enjoy the holidays, my friends. And for those of you listening, we hope you had a great holiday. You too. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Fika, a podcast where we enjoy coffee and conversations. If you liked this episode, please pass it along to a colleague and be sure to rate us. You can share your reactions on Twitter at Pharmacy Fika, but please be kind. This is a safe space. Got a question or want to suggest a topic for a future episode? Leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash Pharmacy Fika. Bye for now. Namaste. Das Vidanya. Au revoir.